This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to another edition of Five on Three, a production of WFUV Sports that talks all things NHL. Along with Samantha Bohr and Tyler Mooney, I'm Colin Lochran, and wow, do we have a show for you today. Eastern Conference Final, Western Conference Final, probably the best time in the NHL lifespan in my mind. But first of all, Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, like you said, this is uh, we're hitting the climax of the NHL season. Things are coming to a head now, and uh, we've got two amazing series with four Really, really different series and different teams as well. So I'm excited to talk about it. Most definitely things heating up last night in Colorado. Things going to get very interesting this evening at Madison Square Garden. Sam, I know you were there last night. How are you feeling this morning? I feel fantastic this morning, personally. I mean, besides the fact that it's early and I'm not a morning person and we're doing a morning recording of this episode. But you know what? I love to talk hockey no matter what time it is. So I'm feeling great. Last night was insane. I could not be more thrilled with how it went, to be honest. I think it was the type of game as we get into Avs, Oilers, that was a bit of a throwback compared to how anybody thought that that series was going to play out. I mean, you have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl on one end, guys like McKinnon and Mark Carr on the other. Really, those two teams, in theory, benefit more from space than anything else but yet last night felt very much like a clogged up type of game very old school vibe about it what was I mistaken in seeing that on the ice or was that type of the vibe of the game no it absolutely was I think that this series and part of what makes this series so different from the Ranger series is that they spend almost no time in the neutral zone This game is just end-to-end the entire time, or that game was end-to-end, pardon me, the entire time. And this series especially, it feels like there is a lot of traffic because there is, because both teams have such powerful offenses but have such strong defense to match it. They're not spending as much time fighting in the neutral zone back and forth. They're able to power all the way through to the offensive zone and then duke it out there. So you're right. It does feel like a little bit of a throwback hockey match slightly because it's not that sort of defensive neutral zone play that we're seeing more now, like we are seeing with the Rangers. It's definitely, oh, excuse me, just like end to end the whole time. So it's crazy to watch. Yeah, it is crazy to watch. I mean, we were texting the other night during game one, and it's just absolutely insane that we can see McDavid, McKinnon, Dreisaitl and Makar all on the ice at the exact same time. I mean, those are four of the top, probably 10, maybe even totally. four of the top eight, seven players in the league. And those three forwards, those might be the three best forwards in the league right now. So, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. When Anytime you have the star power, the offensive star power that this series has, it's going to be just so back and forth so fast. And I think last night, you know, the three, nothing scoreline, maybe, surprises some people based off the score in game one but I I think you had to expect that both teams were going to make a more concerted effort to play better defensively Colorado obviously winning game one eight six right yeah you even you could tell you know in the (laughs) interviews after the game they were like yeah you know it was nice to win but we can't play like that if we want to win the Stanley Cup you can't give up six goals every single game so 
to go from six goals to a shutout. I don't think they were expecting that, but shout out to Francouz and uh, definitely mm -hmm. a, a much better defensive performance by both teams last night. Frankie with 24 saves. Of course, he's in there for Darcy Kemper, who's nursing an upper body injury. Abs winning last night, four to nothing off of strength of goals from Lankinen, Manson, Rantanen, McKinnon. Guys, I can't say as I'm surprised that the Avalanche are now two wins away from the cup. What I can say is that I'm shocked to one extent or another that the Oilers are in this position, given the circus that has kind of revolved around that club for the last year or so. Obviously, questions regarding whether or not Dry Silent McDavid can perform in the playoffs. Obviously, they can. We've seen that this year, but they can't seem to play against teams that are versatile. What I mean by that is they have to play at their own tempo. It's a little bit like what the Rangers are going through now. They're not going to be able to adjust on the fly the same way that the Avalanche can adjust or that the Lightning can adjust in theory. That's something that I think is killing them in this series, that even when you have the backup goalie in there, it's not like Frankie's a scrub, but you should have an advantage in theory in that Kemper's not there. That gives you a boost of confidence. You have to maybe do a couple things differently. They tried to do that last night. It didn't work. I can't tell if that speaks more to how good the abs are or how inexperienced Edmonton is in playoff time. I mean, it's hard to say. I, I will say, though, and I mean, obviously, I love the abs, so I'm a little biased, but I think that the abs defense last night looked the best it has maybe ever looked when I have seen them play, at least. I think that that was just essentially a near perfect performance of defense, especially when you compare it to game one of this series where there were just holes abounding, hence the eight, six score. Hence the fact that they were able to come back from a seven, three deficit in the third, right? Like that was just absolutely this, that was an offensive battle. This was a defensive one. The avalanche absolutely swept the floor with it. I am a little bit shocked too. I mean, you can ask almost anyone I was talking to during the game and before it, I was nervous. I was so nervous. Everyone's like, oh, they've got it. I was like, no, I'm nervous. You never know here, especially considering last round, the way game two went, which was just a pitiful performance by the Avalanche. That game round, the second game was brutal. Absolutely brutal. So I think it was last round, right? Yes, last round. Thank you. Okay. Um, I was like, I don't know if it was first or second. Everything's getting blurry. There's so much <laughs> hockey happening. But I am a little shocked. But also, I'm not because I think that the Avalanche have the depth that the Oilers lack. I think that they have some of the best hockey players in the two of the best hockey players in the entire league right now. I think they have a strong physical presence in Kane, in Darnell Nurse, in people like that. But I think that the Avalanche are just so much more well-rounded, especially with the home ice advantage. I'm not too shocked that they're up 2-0 at the end of the first two games of this series. Yeah, I'm not really that shocked either. I mean, Edmonton's Edmonton's big thing is, you know, they can score, they can score so many goals in such a short span of time. And that was again the big worry in the abs in game one. You know, the only way that Col or excuse me, Colorado, the only way that Edmonton's gonna really win this series is if it's just a track meet and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle just do their thing. If it's a more defensive, slow game, I think that absolutely favors Colorado. They are like the better team on paper. I think watching the games are the better team. It's obvious. And, you know, in terms of Edmonton, yeah, they're in the conference final, you know, congratulations, Edmonton. 
I don't think this is this is this is giving me Montreal Canadiens 2021 vibes where you know they make this deep run but I'm not really sure this is accurately representing what this team is. I remember I went to the Edmonton Edmonton played the Rangers uh right after New Year's and that was when the Oilers were in the middle of a like a big slump and the Rangers beat them pretty handedly and I was like this team's not making the playoffs like there's no way the Oilers are making the playoffs and then they fired Tippett Woodcroft comes in, they go on this crazy run, but I just think, you know, in terms of Edmonton's future and they've gotten to this point, a large part they got to this point was because Jacob Markstrom couldn't stop a beach ball last round. I mean, he had like what an 825 save percentage that if you can't win a series against a goalie with that, you don't belong anywhere near the playoffs, much less the conference finals. So I think they got a little bit of a gift in that series. And uh, I think now going up against a team, like Colorado, who is just so much deeper, especially on the defensive side. I think it's, it's really going to be tough for them. I would definitely not be shocked if they may, you know, come back in the series back in Edmonton. That crowd's going to be absolutely insane. But uh, I think Colorado is the better team here, and they should win this series. There's no way that you just compared the Oilers, who have who is probably the best player in hockey right now, to last year's ragtag Canadian squad. <laughs> There's no way. In terms of overachieving, yeah, I think this team's overachieving. Wait, all right, right but now. then what, what is the expectation? Because from where I'm sitting, you're supposed to be here through the Oilers. You have those two yes. guys on your team. Yes, very you much are supposed, supposed to be, be here. here. They don't have a good GM, Colin. Their GM I, yeah, is yeah I, un- I, un- I understand. <laughs> this, team, I, this team, I mean, we were, we were sitting here on five on three, and I think they fired Tippett towards the end of January, right. early February. We were sitting here like, as you said uh, in the intro to this segment, like what's going to happen with McDavid and Drysdale? This team is headed for another miss of the playoffs, not even making the playoffs. And yeah, they went on that crazy run, but for the past, it seems four or five years, they still have been unable to figure out the goaltending situation. We're continually trotting out 41, 42 year old Mike Smith who got lit up in game one and Miko Koskinen has been better, but he's not, you're not winning a Stanley cup with Miko Koskinen. And it just feels like the same issues are repeating themselves with this team. And they're getting absolutely otherworldly performances from McDavid and Drysaddle right now. And I just don't know. I mean, if they can sustain that again in a, in a future playoff run. Hey, listen, I'm not seeing Ken Holland's praises as at all. He's done an atrocious job constructing anything of substance around those two guys. What I'm saying is from a philosophical point of view, we're going to get yeah, academic get here. here in the morning where from where <laughs> the game is headed in terms of spacing a team like Edmonton, even though they're flawed, will be better than a club that's constructed like Tampa in another five years. I believe that hundred percent. That's just the way the direction that the sport is going. That is fair. That is fair. I just don't know if, I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, they've clearly led this team this far. I'm just not sure, you know, you can't win, you can't win games eight, six constantly. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be the new norm eventually. Not now we're not there yet, but I think the way that the game goes and Sam, you can weigh on, weigh in on this as well as one other thing here. Is there anything to be said about maybe moving Kane to the second line, moving high up, kick him off the team. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like him. Okay. Sorry. Was that the end of your question? I interrupted you, Colin. I apologize. No, Evander Kane is very interruption worthy, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) Evander Kane is a clown. I'm sorry. He has been 
way better on the Oilers than I ever expected him to be. I will say that much. I, before this, he was in San Jose. Yeah. When he was in San Jose, I was like, why is he still here? He's not even at his peak anymore. And he's done some sketchy things as a person. Boo. And then he went to the Oilers and I don't know what happened. Good for him. But he has put out a performance. I am a hundred percent shocked by and I have to commend because he has played some good hockey. I've seen him play some good hockey with my own two eyes. However, I don't think that that overrides the fact that he is just a fool. I'm sorry. I think not that he's stupid in any way. He's probably a very smart man. But like the things he was pulling last night on the ice were just ridiculous. I mean, he got three penalties in like the same period. He was ejected at the end like I don't know. I just think he plays dirty and I'm not a fan of it because it's going to end up in some very serious injuries very soon. And I am not excited about that. The first part of your question about hockey, I think it will become the new norm, but I think we have to question, is that exciting or does that take away from the value of it? I mean, let's not forget the whole Trevor Zegras like catastrophe with saying that this is making a show out of hockey and this is taking the whatever genuineness the the heart the soul whatever hockey is whatever he said that was like this is not what hockey is supposed to be okay all it's sports sports are all performance in their essence as well we watch them because they're exciting it's exciting to watch a six goal game and an eight goal game do we want to see that every single time? Maybe not because it means that there's not a good goalie in the league, but I think that it's exciting to see. I think it will head that way, but I then, I then think it's going to revert. Everyone's going to overcorrect and it's going to become like to a game. It's so just be like... yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be like, a... it's going to be up and down. We're going to get eight, six games in five years. And then in 10 years, we'll go back to one, nothing games. And then yeah. we'll keep going back. <laughs> exactly it's gonna look like that don't don't mark my words but like that's my prediction at the moment in a matter of moving Kane to different lines I think he's pretty productive where he is to be honest seeing him last night I think he plays well on the line he's on I think he adds a great physical presence no matter where he is on the ice I do think he does have fair puck control I think his problem is just going to be the avalanche this series. I don't think moving him is really going to help the Oilers that much. I don't think there's that much they can do. I'm not saying it's going to be a sweep. I expect this to go six, seven games. I expect the Oilers to put up one heck of a fight, especially back in Edmonton. I don't even think moving him would do that much though. Maybe, I mean, I don't know what you two think, but I think that he's fine where he is moving. It's really not going to do that much. There were some crazy mix-ups of the lines last night. I will say the entire Avs top line was changed and apparently it worked. So I guess we'll have to continue to see what happens with that. So I always think it's interesting when you majorly switch things up right in the middle of the series, especially the Western Conference Final. Yeah, my only reasoning for putting that out there is just when you're struggling the way Edmonton is, maybe just get a different look. I, I'm not quite sure that that really moves the needle for them, but I think it's something to consider solely because Kane has been so productive on that top line. Anywho, I think we've out-talked Oilers' abs. I think we're all in agreement 
that this is going the abs way at some point whether or not that happens in four or five or six or seven is yet to be determined we'll be right here to talk about it of course but i do want to shift gears manhattan because we had quite the game the other night as the new york rangers beat the tampa bay lightning six to two two goals from philip Heedle, a seventh straight playoff win at msg from igor shesterkin tyler i'm on board I'm officially on board with thinking this team can win a cup this year. All year long, my number one concern was don't let the expectations get too high. They'll make the playoffs, but let's not act like this is their year. After seeing specifically game seven in Carolina and game one now against Tampa, I'm on board. It can happen this year because I think Gallant is very intuitive in terms of the changes he wants to make. He knows the messaging he wants to get across in that locker room. This could be it. Yeah, this could be it, man. I mean, I'm 100% with you in terms of going into this season. You know, the expectations were this should be a playoff team. Maybe they'll win a round and it'll be fun, but not more than that. And then even going into the playoffs, it'd be okay. You, You should be able to beat this Pittsburgh team, but you struggled immensely versus Carolina all year. Going into that series, I... Deep down in my heart, I was like, yeah, Carolina's probably winning this in like five or games, six games max. But the Rangers, while they may, you know, the fancy stats may not support them and they may not play, you know, the prettiest game. They're getting outshot. This team knows how to win games and you cannot take that away from them. And game one versus Tampa, I mean, that was, I think, beyond anyone's wildest dreams who wants to see the Rangers win and specifically that shift in the second period they're now calling it the shift here i don't know that might be a little extreme but the the minute long shift where the kid line pins the lightning in the zone and it ends with the heatle goal that was the moment for me where i was like wow like okay this team this team they have it going right now granted i think expectations need to be tempered a little bit tampa had not played in nine days and that game one that was going to be the worst tampa bay lightning the rangers are going to see all series they needed to win that game because Tampa's only going to get stronger as they get more, you know, game action in. And they were saying that on the broadcast too. You'd think, you know, Vasilevsky, he's given up six. You'd maybe pull him. But they were like, listen, they haven't played in a hockey game, much less a playoff game, which is so much more intense, in nine days. You want to get these guys as much game experience as possible. So I think I see some Rangers fans trying to take victory laps on Twitter. Like, oh, my God, dude, this is amazing. We're, we're so close. Like, <laughs> pump the brakes. This is the two-time Stanley Cup champions for a reason. If we want to go back to round one, it looked like Tampa was going to get swept after the first game in Toronto, and then they end up winning that series. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to get too ahead of myself here, but that was as great a game one as you could expect from the Rangers. I absolutely agree. I mean, I will be the first to admit that though I, I love the Broadway blue shirts, as Colin, as Colin says often, although we do love that phrase. Um, though I do love the boys in New York, I had Carolina in my Stanley Cup final in the bracket. I mean, granted, my bracket has been a little messy since round one, but I had Carolina in the finals. I thought there is no way that this Rangers team can beat Carolina. They've been so dominant all year, and then they did, and they continue to prove us wrong, which I am happy about. I am happy to be wrong in this situation. I do think it is a little preemptive for everyone to be saying we've got the cup. It's coming to New York. I think it's preemptive. Avs fans were chanting. We want the cup last night. 
And even I'm there. I'm like, hold on. There's still a lot of hockey to be played. I think that, like you said, they needed to win this first game. I think the second game will be significantly harder because the Lightning are back, because they're going to be more dialed in. They haven't had nine days of vacation. They haven't not played against anybody in a week and a half. I think that this is going to be a different Lightning when they come back for the game tonight. But I still have hope. There's this odd feeling kind of circulating amongst Rangers fans and even amongst non-Rangers fans that I'm talking to of just being like, this team is so different this year. And I don't know what exactly is making them so different. I don't know if it's just the fact that they've got this grit. I don't know if it's gallant. I don't know what it is, but there is this kind of feeling just sort of circling around the discussion around the Rangers. So I'm excited for tonight. But yeah, that game one was a gigantic shock to me, but I will take it. I am happy to be wrong and admit defeat. It definitely feels like Coach Gallant, as you said, Sam, has played a big part in this Rangers resurgence. And I know everyone is saying it's premature to already be having cup dreams, but I'm not sure. I think if you win game two, you've already proven now you can go on the road and win a big game. I'm sorry, Carolina is a more hostile environment fam-wise than Tampa. So in my mind, if you win game two, you, you really do move the needle of expectation yet again, even given the fact that Vasilevsky was not good in the last game should give Rangers fans a whole lot of confidence because it's, it's debatable whether or not he was trash because he played like trash or because the Rangers were able to pressure him. I mean, Tyler, as you mentioned that second and third period, they had so much time in the ozone. Anytime you're able to do that against the goalie, they're going to struggle. I don't care who it is in the crease, Patrick, Watt, Vasilevsky, Tim Thomas. It's, I don't care who it is. They're going to struggle. So I think when all is said and done here, you're going to get a deep series. The question is, can the Rangers give themselves an early advantage, go up 2-0, 3-0, something like that, so that worst-case scenario, you're back at the Garden for a potential Game 7, or you shock everyone in a Game 6. That, see, that's the other thing here now, is they have home ice. The minute I found out they were going to have home ice, I had this grin on my face because it just helps this team so much. They thrive off of that environment. They're not as effective on the road. And why would they be? They can't make the last line switch. Teams are able to match them. That's been the book on New York this season is that if you can match that top line of Kreider's advantage at Vetrano, they're going to struggle. They were able to overcome that a little bit against Carolina, obviously, in that last game. But Against a team like Tampa, you don't want to necessarily hedge your bets on being able to do that again. So if you win game two at the Garden, you're feeling better about going to Tampa than Carolina, even though you generally struggle on the road. So overall, I think game two is massive for this team. 2-0 is better than 1-1. That's a fact. And even more so, 2-0 is better when you have momentum. Right now, they have all the momentum in the world. You want a big game six at the Garden, game seven on the road. It'd be four in a row now. Yeah, 2-0 would be massive, not only just numbers-wise, you're going up 2-0, but if the Rangers are able to win tonight, you've now done the impossible. Andre Vasilevsky has not lost back-to-back playoff games in either of these last two playoff runs. So if the Rangers are able to break that streak, that just adds to what you were saying, Sam, about the feeling about this team. It just feels different. I will say, Colin, when I learned that the Rangers had home ice in this series, my immediate thoughts were not joy. It, I was getting a flashback to game seven 
versus Tampa in 2015 at home <laughs> where the Rangers got shut out at home. I was at a bar mitzvah that night watching it on the TV. It was the worst thing. It was the worst. It was so bad. I still am scarred to this day. That honestly, that loss probably hurt more than the Stanley Cup final loss just because that team won the President's Trophy and I was convinced they were winning the Cup that year. So if this series goes seven, which I feel like it has seven written all over it, it just, this feels like a series where both teams are just going to go back and forth, back and forth. Like two boxers just throwing haymakers at each other. These are two great goalies. Vasilevsky is going to bounce back. So if this series goes seven, that's going to be an extremely tense time for many rangers fans especially just because it's back at the garden it's the same scenario as before but if i'm gonna be honest i think tampa gets it done tonight if i'm putting on my i'm taking off my rangers cap and i'm putting on my impartial wfuv hockey reporter hat i think tampa gets it done tonight just because you know we've seen them get it done time and time again in this scenario and it's up to someone's going to have to beat this team. Tampa's not going to beat themselves. You know, last game, it kind of felt like the Lightning didn't, not kind of, the Lightning didn't show up to play. Vasilevsky, while some of the Ranger goals were just amazing shots, there were other goals he probably would have wanted to have back. And I don't think we we're going to see that theme again. So it's going to, a team's going to have to be just better than the Lightning. They're going to have to come out and take it and beat it. And, you know, the Rangers, they're a young they, they have attitude, and this is the team that I think they can maybe do it. But tonight would be so huge to go up to all. It absolutely would. I think, I mean, Thomas Quigley, fellow FUV reporter, shout out Quigs, um, even said that this is the first time the Rangers have had a series lead all playoffs, which is crazy that they've made it this far without ever having a series lead bouncing back twice so far. I mean, that just goes to show the drive of this team and the skill that they do have able to come back not only in these games, but in these series multiple times in a row. But that's not very sustainable. I think you go down 3-1 again, especially against the Lightning, it kind of feels like the kiss of death. You know, like, you're done. Yeah, yeah, you're done. There's no way. I was shocked they came back against the Canes. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that if they can win tonight, like you said, Colin, that's huge. I think that it will be a much more difficult battle. It's not going to be a 6-2 game. It's probably going to be a 3-2 final, regardless of, of who it is. I'm sensing like a 3-2, 2-1 final. It's going to be 4-2, something small, not this four-goal margin. I mean, I think, God, what was the save percentage for Vasilevsky? It was like 8-2-4 or something, and normally he's like a 9-2-3 or 9-3-2. It was something insane where I was like that is like those are like rookie numbers like an eight two four those are those are like AHL numbers those are Jacob Markstrom numbers those are Jacob Markstrom (laughs) numbers you said it those are not brick wall maybe the best goalie we've seen in the last few years numbers I think he's going to be angry about that and therefore tonight will look a lot different I am also just right, like winding this image in my head over and over of little baby Tyler Mooney at a bar mitzvah, just really, really sad about the Rangers. So that's going to fuel me for the next like hour or so. I hope you understand. Um, but I think if it goes to game seven, that will be perhaps the most electric game the garden has seen in ages. And I would love to be there. So I'm still praying for a Rangers-Avs final. We'll see. I am 
hopeful. That is the word I will use. I am hopeful, optimistic. I don't know. Hopeful. Sure. Real quick. I just want to add one thing in here. You mentioned Sam that they haven't been ahead in a series, the entire playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to see how they play tonight. Like seeing that when your backs are against the wall, when you're facing elimination, that's going to naturally just bring out more drive, more urgency. So it's going to be interesting to see now that the roles are reversed. Tampa is going to be the team that has more urgency and the Rangers they can, you know, if you go to Tampa 1-1, it's not the end of the world. You got your home win. So it's going to, I think that's going to be another interesting dynamic that people may be overlooking. Totally. Tampa Bay has yet to lose two consecutive games dating back to the start of the playoffs in wow. this season. Uh, and I believe that streak goes longer. Igor, as I said earlier, has won his last seven starts at the Garden. He was phenomenal in this one, 37 saves. I don't know if Tampa's play style is necessarily going to beat Igor Shosturkin. I think that might be a reason why they were able to beat them in the regular season. I think the Rangers went something like 3-0 and against them in, in regulation play. They're very much a team that thrives off of being in front of the net and getting cheap goals, and that makes a whole lot of sense when you got guys like Steven Stamkos and a healthy Braden Point when he's in that can do that type of thing. I don't think those situations really bother Igor. I think he's only really bothered against a rush, something like we saw against Pittsburgh, where you have a Gensel coming down the ice and the screening Crosby behind him waiting to put a one-timer in the net. That's what's giving me hope, too, for Igor's sake and the Rangers as a whole. We're talking a lot about mentality here. If I'm Igor, I'm feeling really good because they're not necessarily playing to my disadvantage. They're playing to my strength, if anything, because he's more than willing to mix it up in the crease. We saw that at the end of the Carolina series in game six. He's not scared of anybody. So I got to ask you guys, we kind of all agreed where the Avs Oilers series was going. Where's this series headed between the Rangers and Bolts? Tyler, you want to go first? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm going to, I have to pick the Rangers. And I, 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 I think the Rangers can get this done. The home ice is huge, especially the way that they're playing at the Garden right now. Haven't lost in seven straight. No point. I don't know if he's coming back at some point this series. I haven't really heard much about that, but that that's huge. I mean, obviously, he's one of the best players on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and but he can score in so many different ways. You know, we've seen his amazing shot, but we've also seen him get, you know, dirty goals in front of the net. I think about that overtime winner he had versus Toronto, literally falling down and just shoveling the puck into the net. Sometimes when you got a goalie like Shesterkin, those are the goals you need, like the lucky goals, the goals that hit three things and then go in, or the goals that the goalie's scrambling in the net and you just kind of shoveled under him. Because right now, the way that Igor is playing, if you're taking any kind of shot and he has a clear look at it, he's going to make the save. And it's just, I think the Rangers can, can ride him to a victory. You know, people have been saying all playoffs, as much as the Rangers have been getting outplayed in some of these games, for a team to beat the Rangers in a playoff series, they have to beat Igor Shesterkin four times. And that is going to be an incredibly hard thing to do. If anyone can do it, it's the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champions. But fingers crossed, I'm hoping the Rangers can pull this one out. You know what? I'm going to go Rangers too, okay? Because if you had asked me that, yeah, let's go. If you had asked me that three days ago, I would have had a different answer. But after seeing game one, 
I, there is just something different. Like I've talked to so many people about it. I don't know what it is, but there is just something about this team. I have said this entire season, I'll be the first to admit that I said, maybe they'll they'll make the playoffs. They'll have a run. They're out in the second round. I was like, they're done. There's no way they're making it to the cup final. There's no way they win the cup. You know what? I will eat my own words. I think that, like you said, beating Igor four times, especially on home ice, is going to be very, very difficult for any team. If there's anyone to do it, you're right. It is the Lightning. But I think that now that they've started to taste what it's like to be in the lead, they started to taste what it's like to be close to the cup again. I don't think they're going to back down. I think, yeah, it is a different situation, obviously, when you're trying to build back up from that 3-1 series deficit but it also is nice to be in the lead it's also an ego booster it's also confidence to say we beat who has been the best team in the entire league for the last two years in a row or at least the winningest team in the last league for the last two years in a row we beat them by four goals I think that is a huge confidence booster especially for a team as young as they are especially for Igor I think he is just phenomenal as we know and I'm I think the Rangers can do it. I think it will go six, seven games, but I think they can do it. And I am really excited to watch this one. We are watching some of the best hockey I think I've seen in my life right now between these two series. I think the key will be, can the Tampa Bay Lightning adjust? We saw that the Oilers couldn't adjust. I mean, the Flames couldn't adjust against the Oilers, but the Oilers learned from game one against the Flames. That's how they were able to beat the flames in that series. It's going to be about Tampa Bay learning to do the same and the Rangers stopping them from doing that, but I'll go Rangers. Sam, that's a really good point about adjustments because earlier in the year, the Rangers weren't able to make adjustments. It was the reason why a lot of people thought they had a definite ceiling that's changed for the most part. As we headed into the playoffs, I think that comes from a comfort level with coach Gallant. As far as my pick, for this series goes, I'm kind of locked in, guys. I previewed the series with Tom Quigley on our WFUV Sports YouTube page. Everyone should check that out. I went Rangers in seven. I was surprised myself that I had made that pick before the series started because on paper, yeah, it seems like a little bit of a foolhardy thing to say that these kids basically are going to come in and beat the two-time champions. But then I'm sitting there, I'm remembering the last two series. Sure, you had to play Louis Domingue and you struggled against the Penguins, but for me, it's that second-round series that, that told the whole story. They had every reason to just lay down and die, and that was going to be the end of the season. I mean, no one's saying that it would have been a disappointing season for the Rangers had it ended there. That's what's incredible to me is that you have to find that type of motivation within yourself. It was very different in that first round when there were a lot of people that would have been disappointed had they not beaten Pittsburgh, a team that everyone felt like they could have handled. No one expects them to beat Carolina. So that tells me that there's something swimming around in that locker room in terms of a thought. Just, yeah, we know that we might have already done our job, but in our minds, there's more to do. Like to that team, this is their year. And I think that's something I didn't fully understand until recently. And I've watched a lot of the Rangers this year. I'm sure you guys have as well. It's just a very contagious mindset. And I think it starts with Gallant. And even hearing guys like Kreider and Strom talk after the game, and now they've been around the block for a long time here in New York. Tyler, there were a lot of years where Rangers fans were just disheartened. Chris Kreider has been there through it all. He was there the last time they made a cup run against the Kings. They tragically lose that one in five games. 
He was there against that series in the Lightning where little Tyler was at the bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those vets to still be around tells me that there's a mentality that is definite, a presence of, yeah, we might have already meted, met expectations that other people have set, but as far as we're concerned, we're not satisfied until we bring home a cup. Yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who can be beneficial to these young Rangers during this run, it's, it's Chris Kreider. He's been through it all with the Rangers. He came up as a rookie in 2012 in the middle of the Rangers' first playoff run in their previous window in 2012, um, and they ended up making the conference finals this year. And he's been to, I think, three or four conference finals now. Obviously, the Stanley Cup final loss, never been able to get that cup. So he's been part of plenty of teams in New York that, have come really close and have not been able to get it done. And I think, you know, you mentioned the, the, if the Rangers had lost last round, no one is saying this is a disappointing season. And I think that is also what's contributing just this feeling around the team. This isn't the 2015 Rangers who won the president's trophy. And that year it was Stanley cup or bust. This isn't the Rangers who had prime Henrik Lundqvist. And you knew, okay, when this window closes Lundqvist, he's probably not going to get another kick at it. You need to win now. This is a different feeling. You have the whole window ahead of you and you are ahead of schedule. And it just feels like the Rangers are playing with house money at this point. And I think that is what's giving this feeling about, you know, there's no pressure. If they they lose this series, you're supposed to lose this series. You were supposed to lose last series. So I think it's just, it's an incredible time to be just involved with the Rangers, to be a Rangers fan, to be covering the team. And they definitely have a great mix of, you know, young guys who are hungry, who haven't been here, but also the older vets like the Criders who can lead this team, who can say, listen, I've been here before. It didn't work. Here's why it didn't work. I've also been here before and it has worked. Chris Crider is part of two, three, one comebacks verse in 2015 and 2014. And that 100% played a huge role in the Rangers comeback versus Pittsburgh in 2020, the 2022, excuse me, 2020. Oh my God. The years are just jumbling together. But, time's not uh, real. Yeah, time's not real. But anyway, yeah, I mean, this is, it just feels like a team of destiny at this point. And that might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but there is really no other way to describe it besides this team just has it going right now. And you can hope that they continue to keep this play going. Absolutely. I think that's the phrase I've heard the most recently is playing with house money. And I think it's so true. They have they have things to lose. Let's, I mean, let's, I get to it. But they have, when you look at what was supposed to happen in this postseason, they have nothing to lose. Like you said, they were supposed to lose last round. They're supposed to lose this round. No one will be mad at this team, which I think is a key thing for the fan base. I think for Gallant, I think for the mentality of the team as a whole, it's not going to be why could like the Islanders everyone was mad at that team when they did not win it was you had all the pieces why can't you win this is more you are like a ragtag team of bandits of children with a couple of adults who know what they're doing (laughs) who have been here before and you're somehow like mighty ducking your way through this playoff series which is incredible and so I don't think anyone will be angry at them. I think regardless, this is an incredibly commendable series and season for the Rangers. And it is an amazing time to be a hockey fan, period. I think if there is ever a time for somebody to start watching hockey, it is now. I think that these two series are what it is to be in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals and to have some of the best teams 
against each other head to head every night. And I, I feel so lucky to be like seeing this right now and be so young too. be like, wow, like we're, we're watching this, we're covering this. We're so young. So I'm thrilled with what I've seen so far. I don't know. I'm excited to see it, how this rest of this plays out. Mighty ducking. We've turned the mighty ducks franchise into a (laughs) verb. And I love that. I didn't know. (laughs) I'm, I'm on the train officially. Tyler, this better not end in tragedy. I'm fully on board now. I'm into it. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes. I was doing cartwheels. <laughs> Game number two, as everyone knows, I'm the biggest Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs> if you can't mm-hmm. sense the sarcasm in my voice there with the listeners at home, oof, we should have a discussion about that one day. But <laughs> as far as the Rangers concerned, tonight they play Lightning at MSG. 8 o'clock start. Saturday, you'll get game three of the Avalanche and the Oilers. That one's going to be out in Edmonton. That's going to do it for this edition of Five on Three. Along with Tyler Mooney and Samantha Bohr, I'm Colin Lochran saying have a good day. This has been a production of WFUV Sports.